Comes ahead, back and forth with Patch Ready. Now Stevenson kicks it in, it will count. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. From the draw, Nicholas Haig rifles it home. One-time shot from Haig, Vegas ties it 3-3. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace and Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the No Darren Millard today, Darren on assignment today, hopeful to have him back on the program tomorrow, the Golden Knights. Uh, enter the day today uh, with a, a pretty good week. I, I mean, you look at some of the things that happened uh, since our last show. The Golden Knights, a big win in Nashville, coming off of a wonky game against the St. Louis Blues. And then, you know, over the weekend against the Edmonton Oilers, a, a game that a lot of people looked at as a measuring stick for both clubs. If you're looking at the result, you're not happy. If you look at the result of the Edmonton game for the Golden Knights, it leaves something to be desired. But if you look at the majority of the game and the process that the Golden Knights had, I think you change your tune of what that game really was for Vegas. And I'm not saying that there's room for moral victories. It's professional sports. We often understand that moral victories don't really mean much. But when we get to the rating of this Edmonton Oilers game, I can't wait to see what Chris Chapman's going to go, uh, what direction he, he goes with his rating. But mine might surprise you because there was a lot that I enjoyed, a lot that I liked from the Vegas Golden Knights against the Edmonton Oilers. We are also going to be joined later in the program, hour number two, by Jesse Granger with The Athletic. We're going to check in with Jesse just on the current state of the Vegas Golden Knights, where they're at um, in the standings, and really kind of what direction we think this week is going to to unfold for the Vegas Golden Knights. There's three games this week. You've got Anaheim and Arizona on the road, and then... A big game at home Sunday night against the Calgary Flames. And ironically, or well, in your in your favor, we've got two pairs of tickets to give away today to that Calgary Flames game. So you're going to want to be listening all program long for your opportunity to win. But as we always do on a Monday afternoon, segment number one, it's all yours. 702-876-1340 is the number. It's your opportunity to give us a call and let us know whatever it is you want to talk about surrounding the Vegas Golden Knights. Also, a rare opportunity, if you so choose, to pick the brain of Chris Chapman. I'm not saying that you have to, but if you want to, the opportunity is in front of you. 702-876-1340 is the number. Let's head right out to the phone lines, bring in Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, Chris Chapman for Darren Millard. That's a pretty good trade, I'd say. Nice work. You know, it's, uh... I... It, it... It's amazing how I can kind of swing those things, you know, like it's all in how you frame it, right, Mike? Like you're <laughs> feeling like you're calling in, and this is a, a brand new experience and one that you have to try out. 
Uh, absolutely. I want to hear. I want to pick the brain. And one of the things I want to hear from both of you is it appears that Alex Tuck is way ahead of schedule. I might be way off base here, but I'll bet he's further ahead than the February 1st that we once projected. Do you think our front office knew that when the trade was made or not? Uh I don't think – I mean, I think that they were probably aware of, of where Alex Tuck was in his rehab. And, you know, again, just because Tuck was on the ice today and because he was practicing, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to suit up, I would say, in the next week or so. It could take a little bit longer than that. But from, from all indications, uh, it does seem like Alex Tuck is a bit ahead of schedule. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of echo those those – Sentiments as well. I mean, just because we saw him out there leading the team in stretches doesn't mean that he was uh, that he's going to be playing tonight against the Kraken. But uh, you know, it was good to see him back out there. I mean, I, I saw that tweet this morning and I was like, "Good for him." I hope he comes back sooner than what was projected because I think we all are rooting for Alex to have to have a really successful career with the Sabers. Oh yeah, we're definitely rooting for him. I just wonder if we knew he was on a faster track. Maybe Jack will be too. Who knows? I mean, we don't know yet. The other thing that's real critical for both of you to dissect, should we be participating in the Olympics or should we abandon ship at this point? Um, All right, Mike, I'll I'll take a a stab at this one before I hand it off to to get Chapman's thoughts on it. uh, And thank you for the call. Uh, When you look at the the pose, when you look at the Olympics and you look at just the idea of Olympic hockey in general. I think we all can recognize and understand that the product is just better. It is simply more palatable when NHL players are in the Olympics. Uh, You look at the players that didn't have an opportunity to go to the last couple Olympics. You look at the players that may only have this as their opportunity to represent their country. From a player interest perspective, absolutely 100%. I think that you know the the NHL at the Olympics is important and it's it's vital to to the game on the world stage. That all being said, uh, COVID is is very much real. It's very much still something that's being dealt with uh, in professional sports. Vaccinations um, being what they are and 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 all that. I don't feel confident or comfortable right now with the idea of the Olympics. And I also don't feel confident or comfortable in the idea of, say, the the Vegas Golden Knights getting back to full health based on what this season has kind of uh, thrown at them already. And then having a bunch of players go uh, across across the world to play in a tournament where there's a risk of injury. I, I, if I'm a Golden Knights fan and I'm looking to watch this team hopefully win a Stanley Cup, uh, the Olympics is the last thing in the world that I want. Yeah, it's a real tricky situation, Mike. Um, obviously, from from the COVID standpoint, from some of the things I've been reading, if a player tests positive while he's in China, there could be some lengthy quarantining that has to take place during uh, the Olympics. So obviously, that's something that you have to consider from a player standpoint. Obviously, there's there's the political aspect of China, but I'm not a big believer in you boycott the Olympics because at the end of the day, the athletes don't have anything to do with the political situation in China. Um, so, so that being said, I don't feel that they should not go because I think, like Ryan said, the, the Olympics are just better with players from the NHL in it. And to not have, like, obviously a guy like Mark Stone, he's worked his entire life to be in the NHL and to possibly represent Canada at the Olympics. It would really suck to have to tell Mark Stone, hey, Mark, guess what? 
we're not going to China for the Olympics. We're, we're not going to participate. And there's no guarantee that that the league will allow these players to participate in the next Olympic cycle four years from now. So I, I, I kind of feel like they should do it because, look, you're, you're, you, you only have so many opportunities to represent your country on that stage. And to win an Olympic gold medal, I mean, I think every player who's ever laced them up has the dream of putting of putting on the skates and having that medal placed around their neck. I, I, I just think from that perspective, you have to do it. At this point, you have to, unless complete chaos erupts across the planet with, with COVID, I think you have to do it. You know, and, and Chapman, I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the same ballpark as you, although I, I will say this, as a general hockey fan, yes, Olympics, NHL players, 100%. But, you know, when you localize it a bit here to Vegas and this Golden Knights team that's already been through so much, and, you know, you look at, say, the minutes of Alex Petrangelo and how many minutes have already been logged for Petrangelo with the Vegas Golden Knights, and I understand it's a short tournament in the Olympics, but you would have to imagine that given Petrangelo and and his usage and what would be kind of expected of Team Canada – He's going to log a ton of minutes. He's going to log a ton of minutes in uh, the Olympics. And and that being the case, I, I just I look at that and say, you know, I'd rather Petrangelo get some time to, to rest and recoup and, and recover. And, and, you know, as a Golden Knights fan, if you're looking at it, approaching it from that perspective, I see the argument for not going to the Olympics or not wanting to go to the Olympics and not wanting to kind of disrupt the middle of the hockey season. 702-876-1340. Always intriguing questions from Mike. Let's head back out to the phone lines. Bring in Stephanie. Stephanie, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. I'm doing good. Well, before I start out, I wanted to uh, wish Ryan, you and your family, a happy Hanukkah. I hope you guys are having a great celebration so far. Um, Thank you. Thank you. It's been good. The The kids are taking me to the cleaners. They're winning all the guilt. It's unfortunate, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. Well, the things we do for kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I have I have two kind of things I'm going to touch on. One is BGK related and one is not. Um, but it's still hockey-related. I'm not talking about the Raiders, I promise. Okay, um, fantastic. So, <laughs> um, one of the things that I noticed from the last two games that really, uh, I think it was the last two games anyway, that stood out to me was that our PK has been very good against two teams that have been very good on their uh, power play. So in that mm-hmm. being the Preds and um, the Oilers, right? We, in that span, gave up, what, six power plays against the Preds and then however many against Oilers and let one goal in. Yeah. So that that is something to like we've not not look liking that we've taken that many penalties, but that is something that's been promising um, to see that the PK is going so well. Yeah, you're you're spot on, Stephanie. I think that the the penalty kill for the Golden Knights has been incredibly good over the last three four games. And you know when you look at what they were able to do in Nashville against the third ranked power play in the league, and then to go into a game against the Edmonton Oilers. And, and not allow a power play goal against was, was fantastic. It was, it was one of the really big keys I took out of that game against the Oilers. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, and, and I guess really the Preds, we actually ended up killing, what, six, six power plays plus the 38 seconds. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah. it was just, that was a lot to give up and to only give up one power play over all of that, was, uh, one goal over all of that was, was phenomenal. 
Yeah, um, and not to mention the then, fact that the Golden Knights scored a shorthanded goal too, so that that kind of yeah, offsets so the one even. that they gave up. <laughs> yep. Um, and my other thing that I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on was that both uh, Murray and Kane have completely cleared waivers, and what you think might end up with them if there's any teams that in our division you think might pick them up or um, where they might land. You know, Stephanie, that's a that's an interesting question, and, and thank you for the call. Um, you know, I was a bit surprised on Matt Murray, if I'm, I'm being completely honest, mainly because I look at, say, the Buffalo Sabres, and Dustin Tokarski's been fantastic for Buffalo so far this year. But when you look at Matt Murray and the pedigree that he has uh, throughout his NHL career, and I understand the contract's hefty, I get it, I do. And, and I, I look at the player, and you know, there's concerns about kind of the long-haul COVID effects that, that Murray's been playing through. I just look at him as as a guy that if you can unlock it, if you can figure it out and get him to a level uh, that he was at prior, you have a really solid NHL goaltender that you can kind of put on the ice night in and night out. And I, I thought Buffalo was was a team that made a lot of sense for Matt Murray. I was surprised that it didn't happen. And you know now I think it's just about Murray going down to the minors and, and working on his game and getting himself back to, to playing at an NHL level. And once he is, I, I think he'll be in the fold for the Ottawa Senators for sure. I don't know that a team's going to necessarily trade for him. And then on, on Evander Kane, it's an interesting one. I'm not surprised at all that uh, that no teams made a play for Evander Kane. I, I think if you wanted him for free, he was there for the taking, but there's salary that's attached to his contract, and it's it's a, a hefty salary at that. And you're, you're looking at a guy that, you know... I, I think right now in a lot of NHL circles is is not going to be welcomed welcomed into a locker room. Like I think there's damage control that needs to be done for Evander Kane. Part of that damage control is likely going to be done in the AHL. Evander Kane's got a report, and if he reports and he does his due diligence in the AHL with the San Jose Barracuda, then maybe just maybe down the road, Evander Kane will be welcomed back into that shark locker room. Yeah, you know, I I'm 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 also with you on both of those guys. Um my my initial thought was, oh, Matt Murray was released. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers would 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 be a team, at least in this division, that would take a look at him. But then you go in deeper. We know how much Darren loves Mike Smith. Um, and we, 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 we know that the Oilers are, are big Mike Smith fans. But when you look a little bit deeper, you look at Miko Koskinen, and I know there's that old cliche about goalies don't or players don't lose their, their job due to injury. I think Miko Koskinen has kind of cemented himself as Edmonton's number one goalie because he's having a phenomenal season. Granted, it's a small sample size, right? Only 12 starts. But in those 12 starts, he's been really, really good. So my initial thought was quickly, the Flames were quickly doused out because I said, yeah, you know what? Edmonton doesn't need Matt Murray. They've got two capable goalies who I think are, are, are good enough to help them at least make the playoffs. I don't know who else in this division would 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 take an interest in, in Matt Murray because it seems like most of the teams are, are pretty well set at that position. Um, you know, maybe a team like Minnesota in the central. I, I don't know. Maybe, may, but I'm, I, I am a bit surprised that he got through waivers. Um, Kane, I, I, I was not surprised because look, like you mentioned, there's salary implications there. This is a guy who it seems like every stop he's been on, whether it was with the, the, the jets, whether it was with the Sabres now with the sharks, there's locker room issues that follow him around. Whether you believe or don't believe the, the off the ice allegations, you look at the, 
stuff that's gone on with the teams he's played for. I mean, the San Jose Sharks, you can clearly tell that this team wasn't to the players weren't all that interested in having him back. I mean, when Thomas Hurdle was asked about it last week, he, he kind of didn't really want to say much about it. And he's a guy who I think the Sharks probably look at as one of their leaders and a guy that they would probably not want to disrupt because he's heading into unrestricted free agency. Um, so so I'm not surprised with Kane. And like you said, he, he'll go to San Jose, the, the Barracuda, and if things work out, maybe a team will, will, will inquire. Maybe the Sharks will bring him back. But as of now, I don't think there's any teams around the league that are willing to take the risk of bringing Evander Kane in and disrupting what they've got in their locker room. I mean, it would take the right organization with the right group of players. And so far, Evander Kane has not found himself in that situation where you almost have to ask yourself, is there the right situation where Evander Kane could not be a bonehead and get himself into trouble in the locker room? Well, I'm I'm going to just take a look at it from a different view. I don't really I'm not going to get into any of the off-ice stuff or, or anything like that, but you're talking about a player that's got this year and then another 3 years at 7 million dollars. So, teams that would probably be interested in Evander Kane are, are probably teams that are on the cusp, right? Teams that are expected to maybe take another step and win a Stanley Cup, and those teams typically are up against it cap-wise. So as as much as you'd like to, if you were to say the Toronto Maple Leafs, go out and claim Evander Kane, you're on the hook for that entire salary. Understanding that the San Jose Sharks are looking to move this contract. So if you're, say, Toronto, and you have weaponized cap space in the past, it would make a lot of sense to wait until Evander Kane clears waivers, understanding that you think that he probably will, and seeing if you could either get the player for, I don't know, less money, have San Jose retain, or or go, go after another asset in addition to Evander Kane and his contract, understanding that this is a team in San Jose that wants to move on from him. Let me let me throw a little because I know you're a big chaos guy. Let me sure. throw a team at you and see what you think. Okay, the New York Rangers. Um, I think they've got that's the space. An interesting one. Now, that's now, an interesting my, one. my well, idea well, of chaos I, is him and Ryan Reeves on the same team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that they, they be upset with one another. I think they no. just go out and play like they're both professionals, right? Like. I, I think the Rangers would be interesting because they're they're probably looking for a little bit more scoring since Sammy Blay is out for the year after a, a hit from, from P.K. Subban. And you know what Evander Kane can bring to the table. You know that he can play. Uh, he can find the back of the net. It'd be interesting to see how he would fit within that system. But I wouldn't be surprised based on a lot of the moves done in the offseason to kind of beef up the New York Rangers. I don't know that that's that's too far off. That's that's a great idea, Chapman. We'll see what comes to be with Evander Kane. But right now, as it stands, I'm not surprised that he cleared waivers. I'm not surprised that a team didn't take him off of San Jose's roster for free. I think if you want that player and you understand where San Jose is kind of in that entire process, you want to try to wrestle another asset out of the Sharks or you want to find a way to get that salary a bit cheaper than $7 million over the next four years. 702-876-1340 is the number. Let's head back out to the phone lines. Bring in Stephen. Stephen, how you doing? I'm doing very well this week because I am on holiday, and I have had the best week I have had in a long time. So I am doing wonderful. Um, 
Stephanie stole my thunder a little bit, but happy Hanukkah, Ryan. I hope that thank you. Uh, you enjoyed your present, and uh, Chris, I hope that you enjoyed your um, your Christmas present as well. Um, as unique as it is, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, you know, Darren told you guys he was on assignment today, and I, I I don't think that's true. I think I know the real reason that Darren didn't show up today, and that's because Darren did not want to have to answer for that awful, awful pun that he made coming into the second intermission on Saturday night, which was, Shania Twain's in the building, and let's just say, those first two periods from a Vegas perspective, that didn't impress me much, and I (laughs) nearly threw my tablet to the wall. (laughs) Like, the second he said Shania Twain, I knew exactly where he was going. Like, the key to a good pun is unpredictability, Darren. Your audience should not know exactly where you're going the second you start to tell a joke. Um... I did have a question, but I've forgotten it now. <laughs> um, no, no, um, I asked this to Jesse earlier today uh, during his question and answer on The Athletic. Um, I was wondering what the perspective of uh, you guys would be. Is uh, We know that Vegas has quite often, at the trade deadline, in the off-season, has made has always gone after like the biggest names that are out there. They've gone after Petrangelo, they've gone after Mark Stone, you know, they've gone after Jack Eichel. And I guess mm-hmm. it's do you, with the way things are, especially up against the cap and the fact that they've got Eichel now, do you expect that to maybe slow down a little bit and at the next trade deadline and in the offseason, maybe not go after those sorts of moves barring injury until next season's trade deadline? Or could you see them being like, okay, well, let's get rid of these guys to go get, uh, I don't know, let's throw a name, Kachuk or Brady Kachuk, like just as an example. Um well, yeah, I guess, do you think is that, like, no, they're at the cap, they know what their core is now, and if they don't win the cup this year, they'll just bring it back and stick with it as opposed to just trying to reinvent the wheel again? Yeah, you know, that's a that's an interesting question, Stephen, and, and it's a good one in that I don't think the Golden Knights are going to be hyperactive in the off season, and, and I don't even know that they're going to be, like, incredibly active in terms of big game hunting. Uh, come trade deadline this year or next year. Like, I, I think that this is a team that has, has built uh, their team to the best of their ability up to the cap. And, you know, the, the real question for the Golden Knights is if everyone's healthy and everyone's available to play, how do you get under the cap and, and integrate Jack Eichel? Like, that, that's the biggest question right now for the Golden Knights. Now, that all being said, it really depends on who's out there. Right, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Matthew Kachuk, and that's an interesting one to me, uh, just simply because of the way that he plays the game, how young he is, where he scores a lot of his goals, and you know the idea that Matthew Kachuk it might hit free agency, and there's an opportunity to get a player like that. That being said, uh, it's going to be a rich contract for Matthew Kachuk, and you're going to have to give something up to get. I don't think that that's kind of in the cards for the Golden Knights, but uh, the the answer that I'll stick with is I don't expect them to do much. I think this is the team that they've created about a two and a half to three year window with uh, this year included. And and I think that there's really not much in terms of flexibility to, to go out and, and go after another big game player. I just don't see how they can make it work. And and that's really the, the long and the short of it. But what we've come to expect and understand of this organization is if there's a way to figure it out, they're likely working on it or thinking of it. And you know, I, I, I've been surprised before, but I, I don't think that there's anything big in the cards for the Golden Knights via trade or signing in the offseason. 
Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not sure. It's, it's funny because this team always seems to be able to find a way to go out and do what they want to do and, and, and make the moves that they want to do. But the other side of that is they've kind of already made that big splash in the trade market. They've already gone out and got the best player that would have been available at the trade deadline. They just did it a few months ahead of schedule. So I'm not sure how much they're going to want to change things, especially considering it's only going to be a few weeks after Eichel comes back. So they may not even really know where they stand with him at that point. Is he still adjusting and getting back into the, to the routine? So I don't really expect them to be very active as far as acquiring players. However, they may have to make some moves at the deadline in order to get into cap compliance. So that that's what I'm more interested in, what kind of moves they have to make to get into that spot where they're under the cap or right at the cap. And for me, and, and real quick, Stephen, like for me, I think you have to give this a little bit of runway, right? Like there's been so much change over the last two seasons with this club and players coming out and players coming in. Like you have to give Mark Stone and, and Alex Petrangelo and now Jack Eichel and William Carlson uh, and, and Robin Leonard and Shea Theodore, you've got to give that core time to really develop into what they're going to be. And I think the best way to do that is with stability and not bringing in or extracting many pieces from what you have right now. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's definitely fair enough. And uh, I could definitely see that being the case. You give the core time to develop, everyone gets cohesion, and suddenly you could be looking at a mini dynasty if everyone gets together and like, and all you have to do is every season potentially chop out you know, small little pieces, you know, $1 million, $2 million, and just to kind of like give that little refresher. Um, I will ask one more quick question and just one more answer because I understand you guys probably scrapped the time at the moment. Um, one player has to go to for cap compliance. Smith, Sedanov, or McNabb? Go. Oh, man. Um, that's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, I... I I'm going to say, if I have to answer this question, and I hate that I have to answer this question, but I'm not going to leave uh, this question on the board. If I have to, to make the answer, it's, it's going to be Dodonov, just simply because um, there's, there's less history with this core, and I think that that would be the, the move that kind of makes more sense if you're looking for cohesion from one iteration of the Golden Knights to this new upcoming iteration of the Vegas Golden Knights. Thanks for the call, Stephen Chapman. What about you? I think for me, the well, first of all, the one guy I, I absolutely would not trade is Braden McNabb. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to bring Braden McNabb back and sign him <laughs> because I think you look at his Saturday evening, and I think that's the reason why you find a way to keep Braden McNabb around. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, he was, he was exceptional. I, I think Dodonov is the guy for the reason that you just explained, right? He's He's got less history with the, with the organization. I'm not really sure where he fits after the team gets fully healthy. You know, do you really want to pay a third-line guy what he's making? I mean, I know that was a plan coming in, but you also didn't have Jack Eichel when you acquired Dodonov. But I like Dodonov as a player. I think he can collect a lot if, if you do move him, but... I'd like to see them find a way to keep everything together. I know that that's just wishful thinking, but I mean, my mind is is in a million different places when I think about the entirety of this team going into the Stanley Cup playoffs with this roster intact. I mean, there's so many options that Pete DeBoer would have that it, it, it would almost be like playing playing with Legos for him because he'd be able to build so many different things and put so many different pieces in different places. 
But I think that's that's kind of the beauty of what's happened so far this year for the Vegas Golden Knights and, and having to come up with different combinations is uh, just because Jack Eichel gets activated, say, in a month, in two months or so, uh, who knows what the Golden Knights roster is going to look like at that point. Not because of, of cap situations, but with injuries, right? Like, we have no idea what it's going to look like for the Golden Knights because if we've learned anything this year so far, Chris, it's that uh, you just can't predict injuries. You can't predict the rash of injuries that the Golden Knights had to start the year. And more often than not, you're, you're going to have to deal with injuries all year long. So you can you can have the ideas in your head like, okay, well, when Mar- when Jack Eichel gets back and you've got Stone and Pacioretty and Stevenson, um, the, the, that's a line that's dominating. Who are you going to put around Jack Eichel? Like, the the funny thing about Steven's question is who do you move who do you trade like realistically when Jack Eichel comes comes into play for the Vegas Golden Knights i could absolutely see Jack Eichel playing with Evgeny Dodonov like i, I can absolutely see that based on uh who Dodonov's played with in the past in, in Florida and how dominant and good he was at those stretches like we're talking about that that kind of being the first guy that we would go to just simply because of cohesion but he could legitimately be the first option to play with your new center in Jack Eichel. Like that's fascinating about this team. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I had the conversation with someone the other night up in the press box, you know, and they were like, wow, imagine if this team has to move Riley Smith at the deadline. And I'm thinking right now, Riley Smith is their leading goal scorer. He's got nine goals. And I know Marshall. So also has nine, but Riley Smith is the leading goal scorer on the golden Knights. I could not imagine a situation where, this team trades their number one goal scorer at the deadline. Granted, there's a lot of lot of time between now and the deadline, but Riley Smith is Riley Smith is on pace to have a career season, as is Chandler Stevenson. So, I mean, and they've done most of this without Mark Stone, without William Carlson. Riley did a bit without Jonathan Marshall. So, so I mean, it's it's like, man, I I could not imagine this team moving him. But I I, I mentioned it the other day on another show. In 1994, the Rangers moved Mike Gartner. Mike Gartner was a phenomenal player for them. He scored a ton of goals for that team. I think it was like maybe 10 10 days, 14 days before the start of the playoffs, and Mike Gartner was moved. I think he ended the season with like 55 points for them. It's not unprecedented, but I think in this day and age, it's kind of like, wow, I, I, I can't picture a team moving a guy who's really having a career season and could possibly be your leading goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Golden Knights do and what they need to do it once Jack Eichel is healthy. But again, I caution, I caution you from really, really getting too into the weeds about it right now. Injuries exist in this sport. They are a part of every single team's makeup all year long, and who knows what it's going to look like when that day comes for Jack Eichel. We've still got a lot to get to here on the Golden Knight Insider Show. We've got some tickets to give away to Vegas and Calgary. That's this Sunday. I want to do it right now. I know you guys just called in for that segment, but I want to reward you for calling in. Thank you so much for that. 702-876-1340. You are a winner if you are caller number 19. Caller number 19, 702-876-1340. You're going to Vegas and Calgary this Sunday. We're back with more right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Congratulations to John. 
He's our winner. He'll be checking out Vegas and Calgary on Sunday. That's shaping up to be a really fun game uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. A measuring stick game once again for Vegas against one of the Pacific Division's best teams early on this year. And you know we're going to get into the the rating of our of our Edmonton Oilers game, the Nashville Predators game, a little bit on a little bit later on in the show. But I was looking at the 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 stats, Chris Chapman, individual skater stats today. Because I find it amazing that Leon Dreisaitl has 20 goals and 20 assists for 40 points in 20 games. Like, that in and of itself is is a phenomenal, phenomenal stat line just 20 games in. But the bigger question to me is what's more impressive about Alex Ovechkin, okay? Is it the fact that at his age, 36, He's got 19 goals in 22 games, or is it that he has 18 assists in 22 games and is currently one point ahead of Connor McDavid in the individual stats? I I think that kind of surprises me a little bit more. I mean, obviously have to go into detail a little bit more about his his career assist numbers, but that's that surprises me that he's only one assist behind his goals. By the way, First, I think I, I saw that's the most goals Ovechkin has had through 22 games in his entire career. Like, yeah. it, it, it blows me away. And I've got a, a good friend who's a Capitals fan. My cousin is a big Capitals fan. So I'm constantly bombarded with Alex Ovechkin things. And, and you obviously know that I'm a big Alex Ovechkin fan. He's clearly gunning for... Wayne Gretzky's goal record, and and it, I'm obviously kidding when I say this. At the pace he's on, I feel like he's going to break it this year. The way he's going, um, I I got a picture from my cousin. It was after he scored the hat trick the other night, and he's I'm not sure where he is, but he's still in uniform. He only took his jersey off, and he's chowing down on a giant turkey leg. And there's a big bottle of wine sitting on the table in front of Ovechkin. I'm like, this guy is the character that the league needs. He's he's so fun, and he's it's like he's he's found another gear. Yeah, he has, which is just kind of ridiculous when you think about it. 749 goals right now for Alex Ovechkin in his career. I don't think he's chasing down Wayne Gretzky. Oh, I think like, he's going I, for a thousand. I, I I don't well I don't I don't think he's going for a thousand. That's that's a lofty lofty <laughs> Not, goal maybe, maybe over the next four and a half seasons. But I think that Alex Ovechkin's looking at nine hundred. Yeah, maybe like, maybe I, that's a little more realistic. I I don't think that this is about Wayne Gretzky. I think this is about Alex Ovechkin leaving behind a legacy that'll never be touched. And yes, passing Wayne Gretzky for the all time goals would would be a legacy in in and of itself but to be the only man and likely the only man ever to score 900 goals at the nhl level in the regular season i'm gonna clarify that like i i think that that's something that's fueling ovechkin maybe even a little bit more than just being the guy to surpass gretzky there will be a list of one of guys that scored 900 and that'll be alex ovechkin it'll be him for a long long time And, and i think that's more kind of the, the, the vein that I look at. But the interesting thing to me, and you know, I was thinking about it with Connor McDavid earlier on in the year when he was on an absolute tear goal scoring. I'm thinking about it a little bit here with Leon Dreisaitl, although Dreisaitl was fantastic in that uh, he said that there's no way he's going to score 50 goals in 50 games and there's no way he's going to score 82 goals over the course of a season because it's just not realistic. 
I think that the one thing Ovechkin hasn't done, right? Like, he's done it all. And by the time his career is over, by the time everything's said and done, he will have the goal-scoring record. I'm telling you that right now. There's no doubt in my mind that Ovechkin isn't going to be the most decorated and best goal scorer in the NHL, period, ever. But I think one thing Ovechkin wants is 50 goals in 50 games. And I think the pace that he's playing at right now and the tear that he's been on to start the year, you need things to break your way. But if you had your pick, it's Dreisaitl or it's Ovechkin. Which guy's going to score 50 goals in 50 games? I'm going with Alex Ovechkin, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, I I, I think the, the thing with Ovechkin is he has good players around him but he doesn't have that other elite goal scorer around him to kind of maybe eat up some of the goals that he may score. Um, that's that's the one thing that would worry me if I was betting Dreisaitl in this race. By the way, oh, just, to, just to point out how, how crazy it is that he has 18 assists through 22 games, mm-hmm. Ovechkin played 45 games last year. He had 18 assists total. <laughs> the year before that, he played 68 yeah. games. He had 19 assists total. So he's clearly on a different level this year. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the way he's going, 50 goals doesn't seem like it's it's unattainable through 50 games. I mean, 19 through 22, he just scored a hat trick the other night. I think he's already got a couple of those this year. I mean, he, he just seems to have this uncanny ability to just score goals at, at at really an unbelievable clip, and when he gets going, it seems like it's it's almost unstoppable. So, last one here, and and this is kind of the the question time with Chris Chapman that that <laughs> I, I was thinking about in my head during the last break because I got a lot of pushback in my hot takes. Right, my hot take in Connor McDavid not winning the scoring title was generally balked at by both you and Darren Millard. Yes. Is that is that fair? I, right? I, like I, I said he's not winning in Art Ross and you guys are like, oh come on, that's ridiculous. Right? Like that was generally <laughs> how that entire conversation went. Yeah, well considering one guy said what what did he say? He would have more assists than the next yeah. guy had points. Yeah. Um yeah I I, I think we we me and him probably both want to <laughs> no I can't, I won't speak for him. <laughs> I will speak for myself in that I probably would like to walk back my mocking you for making that bold prediction. Okay, so here we are. It's 40 points for Dreisaitl in 20 games, 37 points for Ovechkin in 22 games, and 36 points for Connor McDavid in 20 games. Also, uh, kind of an outside, well, no, there's not anybody else really close. Okay, so those three players, if we understand and accept that that they're going to kind of be the top three in the league this year. Do you think now, given the benefit of the first quarter of the NHL season, do you think it's absurd that I called Connor McDavid not winning the scoring race? I don't think it's absurd now. No, I mean, we're, we're at the Is he going to do it? We're, we're, do you we're, think he's going to do it? I still think he'll pull it out. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as myself and our illustrious co-host thought it was going to be, because I, I think he's really going to have to work to to, to get that. I mean, it, it's look, the goals are going to be there. Obviously, the assists will be there. But Ovechkin right now, I, I would I don't know what the odds are on who would win the Art Ross trophy, but. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the, the, they're, they're, like you said, there really is nobody else there. I mean, Nazem Kadri's fourth. I don't think he's got the staying power. I mean, granted, he's done it in 18 games, but he's he already seems like he's so far off the pace that it doesn't seem likely that he could get back in there. Ah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know, man. I I, I really it, think I I really think it's going to be one of these three, but I'm not really going out on a limb when I say that. But I think I think there's a real distinct possibility that Drysaitel has more points than McDavid. It's going to be Drysaitel, and let me tell you why. So when when Leon won his MVP, when Leon was the guy, when he won the scoring title, McDavid didn't play a majority of that year, right? And Leon kind of had to be the guy by default. Like, he had to step up in the absence of Connor McDavid. That is just the way that it went for Leon Dreisaitl and the Edmonton Oilers. And oftentimes, you hear this with, say, Evgeny Malkin when he steps up for Sidney Crosby and kind of vice versa, that... You know, Malkin's great and all, but he's the second best player on his team because when both Malkin and Crosby are healthy, Crosby drives the bus all day long. And I think what you're seeing right now with Dreisaitl is an ability to show that when both guys are in the lineup night in and night out and for the majority of their time playing on different lines, this is an opportunity to for Leon Dreisaitl to prove like, no, 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 listen, I'm one of the best players in the league right now. I am on a level with Connor McDavid, and I can do it when he's in the lineup too. And I think that 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 kind of drive and that competition between both players is going to go right down to the wire. And I look at Leon, and and I love the nuance to his game. I think Leon Dreisaitl wins the scoring title, and Connor McDavid is on the outside looking in. And I think that it's going to be interesting down the stretch to see what type of show those two guys can put on, say, the last four or five games of the year when they're dueling it out back and forth for who's going to finish with that Art Ross. Yeah, I, I mean, that's certainly exciting. I think, unfortunately, the, a, a guy that I, I thought maybe could have snuck into that race, he's missed a couple games, but that was Kale McCarr. I mean, obviously, he'd have to have a lot of points, but yeah. I think he's already missed too many games. I think he may miss more because it seems like that seems to be the M.O. He does seem to miss some time. Nothing serious, but he gets the, the bumps and bruises, and he misses some time. But, yeah, I like I said, I, I think you're, you're, not, you're not too far off base here because Dreisaitl, man, when you watch him play, he, he's just a – he's a horse. And he, he he's <laughs> – I, I, I didn't get to see the first game in person, the Edmonton game, but I, I I obviously was at the game Saturday, and Vegas did a number on him and Dreisaitl, and I think they really slowed them down. That being said, Vegas has the players to do that. There's not too many teams around the league that have the capability to do what Vegas did to those two guys on Saturday night, but the idea of both of them being on the same team and the idea of both of them fighting back and forth it's obviously a healthy competition, but the idea of those two guys going back and forth to try to win that scoring title, it's almost going to be must-see TV. But do you I think, think, I, I think we're do you all think it's healthy? Do you I think do. it's healthy competition? I, I, do. I, I, I do think it's healthy because I think at the end of the day, both of those guys really want to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And I think they know that without – it doesn't I, – I shouldn't say that. Without one, there's not the other. But I think they're two really elite players – but I feel like they both kind of feed off of each other, and they really make each other better. I mean, Connor is obviously on another planet, but I think Dreisaitl really pushes him to elevate his game, and I think that's a good thing. 
I, I like your uh, I like your thought on Kale McCarr. Uh, I think I said that Kale McCarr would finish top five in scoring, and he's got twenty points through sixteen games. Yeah, I said a point a game get, player. And to get into the top five, he's he's about seven points off that pace. So for Kale McCarr, that's like a worth of work, and he's really <laughs> if he really scores taken, goals like he did the other night, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's been he's been absolutely ridiculous, and and again the the biggest question mark with Kale McCarr. Anytime you kind of throw a hot take or attach a hot take to Kale McCarr, is will he stay healthy? Like that's the biggest question mark when it comes to Kale. And you know throughout his NHL season, it's not like he's missed a ton of time. It's just he misses a chunk of games here and there every single year, and it usually kind of takes him out of those benchmarks that you'd expect for him to have as one of the elite defensemen trying to to stake his claim to being the guy uh, in the NHL right now. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got the play of the day in an hour number two. You have another opportunity to win a couple of tickets to Vegas and Calgary on Sunday. That's right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping up uh, our number one of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Took your calls in the first segment. Got into a a nice discussion about the uh, Olympics, which, you know, Chapman, you and I are, are in agreement on, like, we want the NHL at the Olympics. However, you, you kind of look at it through a, a more narrow lens and, and more local lens. Uh, you can see how having a bunch of guys go to the Olympics might not be the best thing for the Golden Knights and their desires, their chances of, of going to the playoffs and winning a Stanley Cup. But all that being said, um, strong first hour of the show, and we wrap it up with this, the VGK Insider Play of the Day and it's not every day you see a defenseman score a shorthanded goal, but Alex Petrangelo would do just that against the Nashville Predators. Back to Forsberg, left circle. Shooting, blocked by Petrangelo. Loose in the slot, Stevenson. Here he goes, off to the races, one-on-one. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots, he scores! Shorthanded goal, Alex Petrangelo. And the Knights are back up by three. Alex Angelo scoring a shorthanded goal is fantastic, but my favorite part of that clip is that he's the one that starts the play. It's a shot block that leads to an odd man rush. He jumps in, and then it's Petrangelo just taking what the goaltender is giving him. Uh, UC Saros, way off his angle, did not play a strong game in that one against the Vegas Golden Knights, and Petrangelo scoring a shorthanded goal was the VGK Insiders' play of the day. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Play of the weekend. Yeah, you mentioned how rare it is. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm trying to rack my brain, but I oh think boy. the Golden Knights oh have only had two other defensemen score shorthanded goals for them. I know one of them was Colin Miller, which I believe was the first, and I think he did it in that San Jose Sharks playoff series. I'm okay. pretty sure Braden McNabb had the second, so I believe that would be the third. Alex Petrangelo, one of three Golden Knight defensemen with shorthanded goals. I, I, I would imagine it was probably mentioned at some point in the broadcast, but... Uh, I was watching without sound, so um, I, I don't know if it was, but I believe that he's the third player to do it. 
Well, we'll have to fact check that in the break, and then we'll uh, we'll adjust that. We'll get to hour number two. Jesse Granger, he's going to join us to open up hour number two. We've still got our ratings for the game against Nashville and the game against Edmonton, as well as one-timers. All that still to come here on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.